And by being indispensable, do you mean by someone who is um, like capable of being able to consistently provide value? Like you're, yeah. you're almost like you're you're sold. You're quote unquote sold out wherever you go. Like what, I'm curious to know more about what you mean by indispensable, other than being bold. Yeah. So to me, indispensable means within an organization that they cannot. They they. They almost can't, you've delivered so much value. You are so, you're the MVP of your organization that you become indispensable. The fact that um, you provide extraordinarily more value, disproportionately more value than for the organization. So it's like you become indispensable. You know, at the end of the day, within any organization, most people can become dispensable. You can get somebody off the street. They might be able to do your work at 80, 90%, maybe even 100 or even better. But the, the, to be indispensable is somebody that is um, consistently showing up and innovating not only for themselves, but for the organization. And by innovating, you create so much value for yourself and the organization that you become indispensable. It's like, you know, just that good life. You have a trainer that you have within your organization, like you know that this person is not only selling, but they are delivering at a high quality. They are indispensable. You cannot get rid of them. They can't replace Be- them. We can't replace them, right? And so this book is really about how do you become that person? How do you become that trainer that's indispensable? That's why I wanted to write this book. Man, this is starting to get me to realize who needs to read this book. Yeah, who is the, yeah, who, yeah, who's this, who's the person? I'm going to guess, but I want you to be like real with us and let us know like if there's anyone at any stage in life where they're at, they should be in this one. And the way I, where my head's turning is individuals who just don't know where to start. And I find who better than um, someone like yourself who wrote a book where there's people's actual stories. There's people's lives that are in yeah. here that you've documented and shared how they reach that point. Yeah. Right. Because that, that's what's so powerful about even what you and me do, Omen, with Second Floor is that was our whole point was it's like, listen, like whatever you're all going through, whatever it is that you want to achieve, there's other people that have been in your shoes before. And I find a lot of times what we do is we start to um, we, we, like whatever it is that we're struggling with, we let that define how we need to show up in every aspect of our life. And that's why I feel like young adults those that are going into the workplace that are about to experience what a 40 hour work week feels like from what I'm experiencing is when they experience it for the first time, they let a lot of their struggles mentally or a lot of their um, quote unquote weaknesses overshadow um, what they need to do to get the job done. And then they give up. Yeah. So they immediately let their weaknesses define how it is they do their job. But in reality, in my opinion, that's just something that you could habitually change. You could yeah. just start breaking down, okay, I just need to change the way my habits are to ultimately show up for my minimum requirement of getting my job done. But like, I don't know what you guys think about this, but like for anyone jumping into the workforce yeah, it, who it, struggles to put all that time in, it's like, hey, read something like this and understand that like, maybe you're being a little bit too hard on yourself. Well, it, well, another thing too is I, I want to add to that is that, you know, when you come out of school, I mean, this was for me, is I want to make a bold impact yeah. in whatever organization that I'm in, whatever job that I'm in. But when you're in it, when, when, you, when you get that first job out of school, they're not giving you that, that, that role of where you can really totally dig your fingers and feet in. And so 
you're going in with all this enthusiasm, you want to make money, you want to make an impact, you're excited about your role, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're put into this role where you can't, you don't feel the impact. You kind of feel like you're just kind of doing the tedious, mundane yeah. work. So then 6, 12, 24 months in, you start questioning, why am I in this role? Why am I doing this for this company? Maybe I should look somewhere else, right? Where you want to be bold. You want to express your ideas. And I, and I know a lot of examples where, you know, an individual who, who, who's in a, a decent position, is making good money, talks to their, their heads, their managers, their bosses, and they say, you know, I think we can do X, Y, Z better. This system is, yeah. is not, is working, but it could be better. And the old heads are like, no, this is the system. It's working. Totally. This is, this is how it's working. Describe just describing every do, organization. Exactly. Yeah. Just do what you're told, please. Yes. And so now you want to be bold. You want to make an impact. You think you can do it better. Yeah. And they just don't, um, they don't see it that way. And so there's also that balance internally as a person who's, who wants to make an impact, but can't totally. within that system. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely, and, and I love those, that's exactly who I wrote the book for. In fact, I don't want anybody to read this book that doesn't want to be bold. In fact, if you, go to, if you go to chapters today and you see this book and you don't want to innovate your life, if you, want, you don't want to be bold, don't pick up this book. This book is not for you. This book is for the people that are willing to be a little bit more dangerous at work, that want to um, create a better future for themselves, for their family, for their organization. Um, and that's who I wrote the book for. So, yeah, absolutely. If you were bold enough, Sean, to restructure a, a large corporate organization... And, and us talking about this, where there's a clear, <laughs> there's a clear divide, there's a clear uh, miscommunication happening in a lot of corporate companies, yeah. where it's like telephone, right? Mm. It's like, here's what we want to do, and it's out of good faith, and it's coming from upstairs by all the corporate execs, and then now when we bring it down the chain, it's just getting a little bit more muddied. And yeah. now on the bottom line, let's just hope that it got delivered in that same passionate way in which we want things to be executed. Is this still the right way of going about things? Or if you could sit down with like every like, like CEO of every major corporate entity and be like, guys, we need to be bold. We need to change some things up. Yeah. What, what would be like a tangible change you would make to, to corporate companies where this is clearly with what we're all talking about a problem? Yeah. 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 No, I would say that it comes down to allowing people the permission to go off and try something new, right? Whether you're on the ground floor, where you're, you're wherever you are within the chain, within the organization, it's like, how do you empower somebody and give them the room, the flexibility, um, and then build that into their compensation or performance management uh, to say, how can you go off and take a small chance, right? And so that to me is like the best way of um, fueling this idea of innovation within an organization. So you have to give people like a little bit of license to, to, to try things, yeah. So glad you said that. And I'm actually gonna give you an example. Okay. So one of my trainers, this guy, Scott Collins. If you're looking for a trainer, go to Scott Collins. Shout out to Scott, Scott, Scott Collins. Okay. <laughs> he's a beauty man. Like, picture my energy times a thousand. Like, yeah. He's like, he's like bounce, bounces off the walls with how excited he gets, right? So he comes into my office one day, and mind you, if I was following policy, yes, I'm calling myself out right now, he most likely would not be allowed to do this. Yeah. But he goes, Kenny, I want to change some things up. You know, with like networking with members and, and getting in touch with them. I'm just doing the same thing, going around the gym, trying to say hi to people. It's not working. I was like, okay, Scott, what do you want to do? He's like, okay, I'm going to ask for your permission. Can I go to the washroom? And can I just open up the ironing uh, 
like the the table, and can I just ask people if I can iron their shirts? Yeah. Like just you know before they go to work, just do it in the morning. I notice a lot of people suit and tie. You know they're going to get their workout in, and then they're they're going to work. And he says, I just want to iron their shirts if they'll allow me, and then I could just kind of ask them about their goals and see if they want to do a consultation. <laughs> so in my head, I'm thinking, that's pretty innovative, bold idea. I've never had someone approach me and ask that. And my other side of my brain went, oh, he could get in a lot of shit for this. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, you've got invasive, a little bit privacy. Like, people don't want to be bothered in the washroom. So what do you think I did? I don't know. I said, you know what, Scott? If you can do it and you have enough confidence and you do it respectfully, fuck yeah, man, let's do this. Nice. <laughs> so he does it and it actually goes really well. He's booking consults. He's meeting people. But then, obviously, when you're going to do something bold, you're, 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 you're shaking, you're stirring the pot a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And all it took was one person to complain. And then they said, I don't like how, like, there's someone in there while I'm trying to change. And they're, they're asking people to book. Like, come on, that's a washroom. It's a private spot. Right. But uh, what I really appreciate. So did he stop? He had to stop it, okay, of okay, course. Okay. Right. But what I appreciate about that story is here's somebody who's actually bold enough to be like, okay, here's a traditional way about yeah, going yeah. about things. I'm bored of it now. I have an idea. And can I try it? And I found that that was my moment in a position of leadership to allow someone to do something that they are now even more excited to do because it's based off an idea that they personally had. Yeah. But here's another thing too is you allowing him to take that idea now will not stop him from bringing up more ideas. You know what I mean? So I think... Very valid. I, I think if, if the moment you crush that idea, that person now is not willing to go to their their boss or their manager or their leader and say, hey, um, you know, I think this, uh, we should try this idea. We should try it out. The moment you crush that idea, they're done. They're checked out because they're like, oh, you know what? My ideas are not uh, valid. This so, is yeah, I, 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 I think there's one piece missing here. Um, and I talk about it in the book, which is really that the idea that, you know, as a bold one, it's not only just being bold, it's actually also marketing like it, you, you have to develop an element of marketing, right? Storytelling, narratives, um, because there's so many reasons why people may not like your idea, but if you market it in a way that your supervisors, your bosses, or the people around you are accepting it, then that is, I, it, it's just more likely that people will accept your idea. So I think, you know, part of the, the, the reason why I wrote this book was not only for people to be bold, but to say, how do you go about telling your stories? How do you go about telling the right narrative around, you know, what you're doing? And, um, you know, you, got, you, you guys know in terms of, I mean, you know best in terms of even being a rapper, even being in the music game. It's not just about your product and being bold but it's how do you package that around yourself, right? How do, you, how do you package being a great artist? And I think that's such a big piece that everyone misses. And I was gonna ask you, because I, I've, been, I've been actually talking to a lot of my friends about this, which is um, as you know, being in Edmonton, can you make it as a musician in Edmonton and be, be on the global stage? Is that even possible? Yeah, I think so. I think um, obviously now with the, you know, with social media, I think you can do anything. You know, the opportunity is there. I think now more so than ever, it's just a matter of being creative enough 
bold enough to do something different to get that attention to you. Because everybody's now, everybody's posting their music, everybody's posting their creative works, but how do you market it in a way where it catches people's attention? How do you gain, garner that attention? And maybe, maybe it's a slight tweak. Maybe it's a little secret. Maybe it's that little, yeah. you know, uh, the, the change in scenery. Maybe it's, it's odd, it's different, it's controversial. It's whatever that is. I, I, think, I think at this point, especially I personally believe that, you know, the, the whole thing of A-list and B-list celebrities, like, you don't have to be an A-list celebrity to make it well, in the game I, of music. I, I would argue that there is no A-list celebrities yeah. anymore. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, new celebrity. There's no A-list new celebrities now. Right. The, the, the A-cele- that, that were created over the last number of years. Like the A-celebrities, for example, in music are what? Taylor Swift, Drake, yeah. Beyonce. But like, is Jack Harlow, Dua Lipa, Billy Eilish, like the people that sort of made it now, are they A-list? Like, does your mom know who Dua exactly. Lipa is? Exactly. Mm. It's, so I just feel like today, you have to, um, it's not about the millions or billions of followers. I think that era is over. I think you can only um, be, you can only gain followers and fans within a small group, right? Within your thousand people or, you know, within a million people. But they are your fans. Like, they are your hardcore fans. Your tribe. Right? I think that is the new game now. Yeah, it is. And there's a lot of independent artists. There's a lot of independent artists out there right now that are doing their thing. They're not even in the mainstream. They're making a lot of money. They're going on tour. They right. got their own little teams. That's great. You it, can make it. Exactly. But the, the, how, do you, how do you push yourself out of... And, and that's one thing that artists lack is, especially independent artists, and, and it's not the fault of their own, where you don't have the resources, you don't have the the mics, the cameras, whatever the case yeah. may be, how do you use the resources? How do you turn shit into sugar? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what 50 Cent said a lot. You know, when he was coming up in the game, he didn't have resources. He didn't have companies backing him. How did he make his music? Well, he had to figure out in his environment how to make that music, how to get his mixtapes out on the streets. Right. Yeah, it's the hustling. Same, it was, it's hustling. Constantly. So how do you do it now? Well, you know... TikTok right now, right? Do, doing things online, doing the short clips, the, 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 being, self, like, being aware of the environment today and yeah. using what you have in your hands 100%. in order to take yourself to the next level. And you can literally push yourself into that. You can force yourself into that space if you wanted to. So like, I'm, guys, I'm trying to fucking sell something right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to sell this book. Yeah. And... and, 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 and you know, the question is, you know, I wrote this book. I put my blood, sweat, and tears into this thing. Years of unbelievable stories and insights. Like, this book is something that people have never seen before, okay? It's a business book or self. It, I include hip-hop, pop culture, modern days. There's a lot. But how do you package it? How do you get everybody to see it? So, like, for example, I, look, I have a traditional publisher. God bless McGraw-Hill. They're very traditional. Um... But I'm trying to be bold. I'm trying to not only tell stories in a different way through this, but I'm trying to package it in a different way. So, like, one of the things that I'm doing is, like, I've got, like, a ton, like hundreds of TikTok creators so that when this launches, they're going to be creating content around this and, like, you know, putting out... Like, nobody has ever kind of done that. I'm, tra- I'm taking, like, the uh, Andrew Tate model of uh, selling a book. Um, but let's, like, trying to find new ways of doing that and also, like, trying to 
market this and package this in a way, right? And you guys know, like, for me, packaging is so important. That's why we're doing this thing in a, you know, in a theater. That's why we've done everything in a theater. That's why we have good cameras. That's why we have B-roll. Like, I want this to look good because when, because when it looks good, the message shows up. This reminds me of that one movie. I don't remember uh, the name of it, but uh, if anyone can reference it, that'd be brilliant. But it's the ABC model is always be closing. Oh, Glenn Gary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Glenn Gary, right? But when you are both talking about that, it just is a reminder, especially for those listening, is anything that you've created, any product or service that you offer. Let's just say, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Let's just say it's your branded shirt that you wear. You're a good life associate. You're wearing a red t-shirt. How quick are you to change that shirt by the time you walk out those doors? Mm. How proud are you to walk into a convenience store or go to the mall wearing that shirt? So if you're not personally obsessed with the product or service that you've created or offering, then how the fuck do you believe anyone else is going to want to buy it off you. Ah, You know what I mean? Like what both of you are saying, I love it. It's yeah. like, let's just take the traditional. Let me just hold this book right now, <laughs> yeah. baby. Let me just hold this book like, right now, baby. Man is a fucking genius <laughs> because look at what he's done. He's taking the current traditional um, unique way of advertising a product and he's getting people involved and in having a conversation around it. That is how is that any different than when I was in New York at 10 years old and I had a guy named Lil Home Slice. That was his rap name, Lil Home Slice. And he had CDs like just wrapped around him, like taped around his waist. And he's like, y'all fam, you listen to rap music? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, who you listen to? I'm like, I listen to 50. He's like, yeah, yeah, you got to listen to Lil Home Slice. And then 999. <laughs> I was like, yo, like I'll never forget that moment. But that's what he had to do back in 2007. To make a name for himself. Yeah. He was thinking, how do I get my product out there? No one knows my product, but I am not embarrassed. And I'm actually excited to go out and prospect. Even when it is in the most non-traditional way. Yeah. And it's because he loves and cares about the company or product or service that he's created and representing. And I think that's important with what we're talking about. Because if you right now are listening to this and you're embarrassed to walk out with the name um, of your company or, or, or your own product then you're not, you're not bold enough. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's, you know, I was wearing my second floor hoodie uh, yesterday. Respect. And uh, hey, hey, I love, yeah, by the way, drop, I don't know if you'll, there's, there's a code, there's merch. <laughs> second floor merch. We need to order more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, um, you know, that's why I love what you guys have done with the pod, right? Like you've, you've elevated you've elevated to the second floor, you know, the production game and the audio game, video game around this. And, um, you know, that's just a level of effort that you put in. And, you know, we always talk about how much work this thing is, right? And how much, and people see it, right? People are, that's why people want to come on your pod, right? That's why people want to be featured. Is it because they see the effort, right? And, um, you know, you guys have created sort of a, a brand around second floor that people wanna, they wanna attach themselves to. Like, I'm like, you know, putting out this book, it's gonna be all over the world, and I'm here on the second floor podcast because I know that this is, this is, you guys have put in the love and the effort around your pod, so I'm, I'm here, I'm here for it. I'm glad you said that, man, because it's such a reminder to see like, we're all in this room, at, um, you know, we talk about elevating, getting to the next level a lot. And yeah. I think it's really beautiful that we now are at a point where we're offering what we are still talking about from a different medium, right? Like for Sean, it's the bold ones. It's this book. 
It's taking things that you love talking about and applying it in just a different way of communicating and connecting with that subject matter. Yeah. Right? Like, knowing you for the past three years, I would connect with what you're obsessed about talking about on YouTube, right, on your keynotes, on podcasts. Now I can do it in a book format. Yeah, and audiobook, yeah. And audio, yes. I'm excited for the audio. Audiobook, yeah. Because it's your voice, It's right? my voice, yeah. Yes. It's going to be delicious. It's like Goggin style. I love it. Oh, yeah. It's going to um, be good. But bringing it back, this is the same thing that I would argue when we personally had um, the Universal Radio Network reach out to us. Yeah. And to be on the radio. Yeah. It was an obvious right away quick yes, but then sometimes you do have that risk consultant that comes in your head. Yeah. And you're thinking hmm, like how much is this taking me away from the podcast? But then ultimately it was a no-brainer because we're now doing something very similar. We're expanding our audience and we're having very similar conversations on a completely different network. Yeah. So it's like this is a no-brainer why we should capitalize on yeah. this. But let me tell you something about the radio. I'm going to – I'm but, uh, I feel like a DJ. Okay, listen. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to lie to you. I don't listen to radio. Yeah. I only listen to things on Spotify – or, or Apple Music. So I, I, I need to get these. I, I need to see Second Floor on, the, on, on Spotify. Radio? What do you mean? Ra no, I'm not. That, I mean, I'm sure it's great. <laughs> There's actually I just been trying to. I, I swear to God, I've been trying to listen to the radio show. I was in L.A. And I texted the old man. I'm like, I can't listen to this in L.A. Oh, yeah. Anyways, that's just a, that's a small thing. I, I'm sure you guys figured it out. True. And the video. But what made you guys popular is the video. Right? That is. And once you guys. And it's a lot of work. But that's what made you guys popular. And uh, once you keep doubling down on that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to explode. I mean, I'm just saying. As a, listen, and you're having guests on. And I keep on telling you, uh, Omid, and now we're getting really deep in the pod. Because I keep on telling you guys, no one cares about me. They care about you. And you guys, you guys are so good on the pod. You're getting these guests. You're getting a Sean Canungo. Nobody cares about Sean Canungo. <laughs> they care about your insights and what you guys are saying. And uh, it's really about you because you guys are the, you guys are so smart. You're so brilliant. You're great on, on the mic. You're great on camera. Your vibe together is amazing. And uh, we need more you. Respect. No, we Just do. Respect. You know what, man? Next business meeting, <laughs> we're gonna have to change up the strategy a little bit, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, we've, no, I mean, I've been telling you guys. Yeah, he's, he's been saying this since day one, though. Oh, no, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to be honest, right? Like, we get a lot of inquiries about, uh, hey, man, like, how do we start a podcast? You know, what do we do to create one, this and that? I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I again, I hope this kind of brings it back to what I truly meant about you're always aspiring to chase that goat status is I hope I always feel that way. I'll still believe that to this day no matter where I'm at in life. But, yes, you do make a point. I'm at a point now where, yes, we know enough, we have enough experience where it can be more Cassius and Kenny. Yep. But in the beginning, I felt so much that I need to get the hang of having a conversation on air with someone right. comfortably. I love it. And make another person yes. feel special while I'm trying to get the hang of this process. Yep. Yep. Right? And I need to see how someone who I believe is where they are at the top of the top of their industry and see how they are communicating, see how their um, like mannerisms. I'm big into that. A lot of people, like when they're trying to figure out why I do the pre-interview, outside of me just trying to figure out what you want to talk about, I'm seeing how you're behaving. I'm seeing when you're pausing. I'm seeing how yeah. you're talking yeah. and how you're carrying I, I, yourself. I, I, right? like what, I, like, I like what you're saying because I think what you guys did um, over the last number of years is that you almost didn't know what the hell you were doing, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so now you've put in the reps to understand what works. 
And you need to go through this period of like, you know, just going through the grind, going through the years of people just maybe even wondering what the fuck are people doing or what are you guys doing? And then, um, and then it just, and then, you know, then it goes off like a rocket ship. I, I, I talk about this idea of, um, you know, the four words that have crushed an entire generation, which is what will people say, right? And when you start something new, you start a podcast, you start rapping, you start, you know, d- doing personal fitness, things that your parents probably were like, what are you guys doing? These four words have crushed an entire generation. And then when you're in the mud, it's, it's actually lonely. It's scary. It's uncomfortable. I'm doing something that most people are not doing. And you're doing it for years. And then people are like, what the hell are you doing? But then, the, but then when, when the, the rocket ship starts to go, they're like, oh, I, 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 then they're like, oh, I knew that person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. knew him. <laughs> I was there the whole time. I'm like, no, you weren't. You, 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 you were talking shit at the, when I was in the mud. Man, I'm so glad you said that because you're going to miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah. And how many people, I've been guilty of this, decide to not say something or do something until it in your head is perfect. And so many people, they, they strive to be perfect. I'm a big believer and you're never going to be perfect. Accept that. But strive to do your best to get as close to perfect as possible. But, you know? but going back, didn't, did your, the people around you when you started doing whatever you're doing, okay, let, let's, say, let's say around whether it was the pod or video or music, did people come up to be like, yo, just, can you just get a, just a regular job? Like, can you just be an accountant? I, I remember people were unfriending me off Facebook because this was back in the day. Oh there my was, God. People were unfriending me off Facebook. They're like, yo, you're, you're that... Stick to your lane, bro. You're not a rapper. You're not this media guy. Don't stop right. posting this stuff. I remember specifically. Wow. I wish I would have screenshotted the messages to have it to this Woo. day. Because that back then, it was Omid, the undergrad student, just science, you know, typical brown guy. Yeah. Right? But when you start implementing doing videos and sticking a camera in people's faces and doing pranks, and I did everything in the book. When YouTube started, I have the old prank videos. I have oh, the. Oh wow! I have I them all. See the prank I did the. Video. I did oh, vlogs. I did everything. Oh wow! I, I experimented. Like what you're talking about, about like just trying shit. That's what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, wait, why? I'm, like, because the pranks were popping off, because the vlogs were popping off, I wanted to try those things. But then I was like, what do I always go back to? It's always the music. I always go back into the studio. I always. That's where that's my, right. That's really what I love. And I would say that without doing the prank stuff and doing all those videos, you wouldn't be able to do what you do today, which is understand how to use video, understand how to you know how to engage a particular audience, whether it's through music or through video. Like you had to go th- what I call like a wasteful journey. Like you have to go through these years of wastefulness, exploring, playing, experimenting, which many people would think is a waste but then you put it all together and then you exploit it. So you know what that is? That's what I call the white belt mentality, right? The There's, white uh, belt mentality. Yeah, okay, I, want, so I want you to understand you, this. In okay. jiu-jitsu specifically, once someone gets blue belt, which is the next belt after white, <laughs> there's a lot of people that stop. Yeah. They quit jiu-jitsu because as a white belt, your whole entire experience throughout getting to that point is everything you both said. Experimentation, you know, failing miserably, 
um, getting choked out and getting tapped out in positions you've never been in. But same thing is like uncharted territory. I'm about to go into something. I have no idea what it's like, but is it going to make me better? Yes. So then that's why I, I just love martial arts and examples related to it because all the way up until the journey to black belt, right. you, are, you, you are consistently perfecting. You're, you're on the pursuit of perfecting your craft. But white belt arguably is the toughest belt. Is it mm. not? Right? You, you attempting to have an idea of writing a book and sitting there first, Sean, going, what is it going to be about? Right? And then trying to construct and, and build a plan around it, arguably, in my opinion, I think that's the toughest part. The easy part is, okay, now I know. I have a structure. I have a base. I know what I'm building this off of. Now let me get in the flow. Right. Right? But the hardest thing is starting. Yeah. That, 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 the, the most difficult part is just getting those initial reps in and something that's so new to you and so scary and that's why majority of the people quit right in the beginning because right. that's when it's easiest. That's when you could say shit like, it's not for me. It's too hard. Or when people say this, I, I know if I like kept at it or if I continued it, I'd be really good. Right. What the fuck then? Why don't you keep doing it? Why are you letting your ego get hurt? Because every day you show up to practice and you get submitted. Right. Because you don't like to lose. Right. But I, I want to go back to what you said. Oh, you guys were talking about play, right? When you talked about Stephen Curry. Yeah. When you were talking about when you're in the tournament and you're, you're thinking about play. Well, you can't get to play without going through the apprenticeship phase. Mm. You know, Robert Greene talks about this a lot in his, in his book, uh, Mastery. He's talking about mastery and, and whatnot. But I'm sure you, you probably mentioned some of this in your, in your, in your book. Yes, Sean, I definitely but, do, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but basically... Bull ones, December 6th. Bull ones, December 6th, baby. Get your copy and listen to the audio. Forget Robert Greene. Talk to him go, okay, but yeah. Okay, go on. There's, there's three different parts in, in, in people's journeys. He talks about, right? The... the the, the, the apprenticeship phase, yep. the active phase, and then the creative active phase, which is the play. Oh. So, so, so I, I think in, 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 in any, like you said, the wasteful journey is the apprenticeship phase. Yes. I'm figuring out what is pranks in my, I'm still doing video. I don't know what video is. I'm, not, I'm doing it for other people. I'm, 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 I'm painting. I'm painting on a blank canvas. I don't know what the hell I'm painting. And then all of a sudden it starts becoming, oh, I got the reps in. Oh, I can paint a face. I can, I can do this. I can, oh, I made videos. Oh, how does the lighting work? Oh, audio. Oh, what? Oh, now I should get a better audio. Oh, yeah. I should, oh lenses? Well, how does that work, right? Right. It's the same thing with any journey in any industry you're in. And then all of a sudden, once you've put in those years, you get to a point where you're, all right, now I can experiment with all this foundation I have. Yeah. I can play. You probably go into a tournament now and you're like, oh, I want to try this on this guy. I, I want to do... I'm so glad you said that, bro, because I couldn't play as a white belt. I couldn't play. You can't play as a white belt because you're just trying to get the structure down. Right. 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 I'm so glad you said that, man, because like now when you flip the script and you look at a leader who needs to respectfully understand that your brand new employee is in their apprenticeship phase... I, I'm guilty of this. I was guilty of this tremendously. Do not overwhelm your apprentice. Right. Show them the menu. Train them on everything that they're going to eventually master over the years. But then once training's done, step one, let's teach you all the buttons on a camera. Right. Step one, let's just teach you how to train someone how to do a squat. Let's just say in the personal training industry. But I have been guilty of overwhelming my apprentices with, okay, now that you uh, know a little bit of everything, now go do a little bit of everything as best you can. That's stressful. Totally. Right? It's like, let's just take one component of the thousands of things you're going to learn. Let's get really good at that. Okay. Mm. Awesome. Next step. Let's now get good at sales. 
Because now that you got in front of people and you know how to train them for a certain duration of time, let's learn how you could allow this person to understand the need of being with you for a whole year. But first, let's have you train someone for two weeks. Let's have you know what that's like. Because how can I expect you to like convince someone to be with you for one year of training if you don't know how to train them for the first two weeks? So in my opinion, I blame myself on that as a leader because I started to overwhelm my newly onboarded trainers. And I'm really glad you said that, man, because it's a reminder for me to realize that, like, okay, one step at a time, right? Otherwise, they're checked out. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Well, I mean, I think... Um you know, when it, when it comes to the idea of, I guess, the idea of play or, or, or you know, I just, I, I just, and I wrote this in the book, which is, I believe that once you find that, then you can find your hot streak. Like you can find, you can do your best work. You can do your most prolific, your most innovative work um, when you find that area of play. Like that's when you put out the number one hits. That's when you're, you're, you're just you know, on top of the world, right? And in the book, I talk about how do you engineer this hot streak, right? Like I feel like in my career right now, I'm in a hot streak. Like I'm in the moment, I'm in the pocket. So I'm trying to think about how do I maximize this moment at the same time recognizing that at some point, I need to continue to disrupt myself. I need to find and continue to play so that I can find my next hot streak, right? I think there was like some research that uh, these scientists pulled together um, last year in 2021. They like, they tried to find this, this is, answer this question, what triggers hot streak? Like why are some people so prolific during a short period of time? And what they discovered is that you have to go through these wasteful journeys, but they, what they discovered is that even though people have a hot streak, they only have one in their career. I want to have multiple. And the only way of having multiple hot streaks to, be, to do unbelievable work is you have to go through these, these moments of just like wasteful journeys. So like, even though I feel like I'm in a hot streak now, I just like, I, I'm recognizing I'm like, oh, like this is not going to last forever. So in order for me to have the next one, I need to like find that next thing, right? Man, wow. That, that mentality is, is so important to have. It reminds me of how... There, not everyone thinks this way, right? Like, I'm going to give you kind of, uh, like, the other side of the table. And I want to know how you feel about it. I was at Rupi Core yesterday. Yeah, my actually, wife was there too. Yeah, it was, it was quite brilliant, right? And she said something that kind of struck a chord towards me where I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm that guy. <laughs> and she's just talking about in her poem, right? She's like, oh, we live in a society and we live in a community where we need to constantly be elevating and we need to constantly, she's using second floor podcast words. Right? Yeah. Like we need to take things to the next level. I'm like, say second floor. Say second floor. <laughs> <laughs> then but it's like, it was such a like, wake up call where she's like, but isn't having a table to sit on and eating breakfast enough? Isn't having a friend to call and say, I love you plenty. Isn't going to the one that you are next to in bed if you have the opportunity to you know, be in love with someone right now, isn't, isn't that enough? And going back to the whole hot streak, thing, hot streak thing, is it reminded me of how I operate, where once I accomplish something, I'll, don't get me wrong, I'll soak up in it, but the very next day I go, what's next? And it just, it pulled at my heartstrings a little bit when she said that, because I was like, I'm always wanting more than what I currently have, and what I have right now is really good. And sometimes I do need to create that balance of recognizing that if I keep going in that mentality of, of trying to 
capitalize on the next hot streak? How much is it pulling me away from who is currently in my life? And I don't know what you think uh, about that, I, right? Listen, I, 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 by the way, I mentioned Rupi Kaur just slightly uh, in here because I think she uh, actually has done something really cool, which is, Amazing. you know, uh, she took her Instagram poetry, she created a new category of what she was doing. So I, I, I'm, I'm impressed and just in awe of what she did. I was like trying to ask my wife all these questions. I'm like, okay, so how was it? Blah, blah, blah. She went with the girls. So you were like the only guy there probably. Dude, um, there, was, there was some other guys that I was okay, impressed. Okay, yeah, you guys. Was, you know, it was nice. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I get it. Listen, some people, they just want to chill and enjoy the family and the people around them. I do too. Like, I want to enjoy. But to me, he, human beings are wired to be problem solvers. We are wired to explore, to, to learn. And if you remain stagnant, if you remain mediocre in what you are doing, then you are, it's going to impact other parts of your life. Like you have to keep learning and you have to keep moving because otherwise you're going to get in a state where you're just, you're accepting, you know, I would say mediocrity or the status quo and the, which is fine. But the problem today is the world is moving too quickly. And if you stay stagnant, you're, you're not going to learn. You're not going to connect with other people. And that's just anti, to me, anti Human. Humans are supposed to explore. That's in our DNA. So if we stop doing that, then I think we're not being human. Well, what if it can be better than you imagine? Right? So you're saying you're good today. You're good. But what if it could be better? Right? And, 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 and a lot of people, especially our age, we get to a point where our careers are good. We're making decent money. We've got good relationships around us. It's like, ah, I'm good. Why yeah. do I, why should so, I be bold here? Why should 100%. I experiment here? I'm, I'm good here. This That'll, bubble is fine. I, yeah. I, like, you know, I think we're circling back to, to when I started talking about this book and who this is for. Actually, this book is not for the people that just want to chill. The, the, this book is not just to like look over whatever Rupi said. Un, that's actually one path, and I, I don't disrespect that path. Most of my friends are on that path. This book is only for the people that want more. These, this book is only for the people that said, what if something is way better than, than I ever imagined? What if I did something and it's way better than I ever imagined? What if I want to do something else? What if I want to explore? That, this book is for the 20%. I don't want the 80% to buy this book because they're going to be unhappy reading it. You're like, oh my God, there's a lot to do. Uh, so yeah, I think there's two paths. There's that path that you talked about, and there's this path. There really is. And I, I appreciate you both saying that, right? Um, it's, it's crazy well, that you talked about the whole learning concept, because I, I fuck with that heavily lately, where it's just like, you know what? <laughs> it's the first time ever he's like, yo, I, that learning, I fuck with that. It's so simple, but it's like, man, like an unfulfilled life, is that a life worth living? Right? And a fulfilled life is if you are constantly expanding your comfort zone and you're actually learning something, mm. but you're applying it. So I'll tell you what we're all oh. guilty of, right? We are guilty of absorbing ourselves with so much content. Like Sean said, the, mo the, 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 the world's moving fast. We can have upwards of, uh, we can fill our whole day with filling ourselves up with content. Yeah. But now, 
if I decide the next day and, and, and future onwards to not do anything with that information, to not sit down with my friends, let them know what I saw, share with them my personal opinions around it, then what am I doing? Wasting my time absorbing all this content. Yeah. I'm just I, letting time pass. Yeah, I think content without execution is entertainment. You have to apply it. You have you to ha fucking take your content and you got to write a book about all the content that you're seeing. Which is actually just creating more content. No, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually hoping that when somebody uh, reads this book, um, by the way, this is actually a great luxury piece too. This is, you don't need to read this book actually. You can just have it in your house. <laughs> just lie, just have it there. Just be like, yo, what's that? So That's next time you have your coffee, yeah. don't forget bold ones. <laughs> so this Christmas, buy bold ones and get 20% off coffee beans free at your local Starbucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, but uh, what, I was, what I was saying was that, um, I can't remember what you were saying. No, I just feel like it's going back to the whole learning concept and applying it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, that, you're right. Um, to me, like, really, the, the, the reason why you write a book is not for people to read it, it's for you to do something with it. And if one person, to me, success is one person reads this book, I sell a million copies of this, and one person reaches out to me and be like, yo, I read your book, and now I'm the senior manager of my Walmart. I I'm happy. Because that one person actually went off and executed and did something different, and to me, that's a success. Can I flip it open and read the first sentence I see? Please, please, I please. I love doing this with books. Step one. Whoa. <laughs> Declare independence. So I'm going to read one paragraph. Sure, please. Right? We're please. A sneak peek. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> do it dramatically, please. So how do we take advantage of this era of one? We've got to be known for something. Separate of our careers and our employers. In a phrase, we must declare independence i love that and 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 by the way just to, just to riff on this piece around independence it's like everyone works for an organization but i feel like everybody should create their own um ip in a way they should create their own intellectual property now maybe that ip goes back to the organization but to me your likeness your brand your your voice your personality on top of that piece of ass that asset that you build that's how you're going to be indispensable at the end of the day it's like that that's the piece that oh that's the kenny piece like kenny is known for that particular training program or omen is known for this particular style of video he's the cold bennett of this like you become um, known for something within your organization, that's declaring independence even though you are dependent on an organization. So that's the idea of declared independence. You know what I should do? I should read the book and then I should create the, uh, I should do the, uh, the director's cut of it. But uh, uh, anyways, guys, um, I wanna say this because we're running out of time. Um, this, is the, the, this is the fullest version of me. And the reason why I love having you guys chat about this book is because this is for us, this is for our generation. This is hip hop, this is pop culture, this is uh, inspiration, it's business, it's everything that's packed into this book. This is my mind in this freaking book. And um, I'm just like so happy to share this with you guys and your audience and, and because I, uh, you guys have been inspiring me and that's why I wanted to kind of bring you out to the theater again and, and uh, do this. So I appreciate it, boys. That's awesome, man. No, thank you so much, Sean. Honestly, on the real, like 
for us four years into doing podcasting and you being one of our first uh, 15 guests at the time and just to see where we felt you were at then being like the cream of the crop of, you know, keynote speaking and talking about disruption and innovation and what you've been able to do since then to continuously um, just prove that you're not stopping and that, you know, out of all that since, you know, Forbes highlighting you as virtual keynote speaker of the year, you pumping out a book all along the way, you now finally getting back to in-person keynotes. And it just shows, man, that in order to be bold, you never stop. You're mm. relentless. You're constantly, as you mentioned, pushing the needle forward to get yourself in a position where you're constantly learning. And uh, it's just so cool, man, to like be here with you and always check in with you, you know, on our show and just to like keep being big fans that we are of uh, what you're doing out there. So uh, we're super excited, man, to, you know, bring it back to you. Everyone's probably itching to figure out where they could get a copy, when they can. Please share with us how we can get our hands on the bold ones before the holidays. So season. you can get, so what I would recommend, go into a bookstore. Any bookstore, Chapters, Barnes and Nobles, wherever you are, walk in, buy the book there. Of course, you can get it on Amazon. Of course, you can get the audiobook on off Audible and other places. But um, yeah, and then buy two or three. And like I said before, it's a great luxury piece. It's a great stance. Actually, buy 10 and just light them up just like this. So. I want you or one of your representatives on your team to uh, set up a booth at Good Life Fitness and... Uh, ask people, hey, what does being bold mean to you? Mm. Uh, side by side with me there. And, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get the microphone in front of people and let's get them to buy some copies. Let's so do it. Let's your do people it. will talk to my people and we'll make something let's, happen. Let's do it. Let's do it. That's awesome. Well, gentlemen, you know what? That is uh, final um, ending notes here. I'd like to just bring it over to Cassius. Anything you'd like to say, my friend? No, I'm good, man. That's a wrap. Let's go to the second floor. <laughs> All right. Thank you, boys. That's awesome, that, man. That thank was you. Great. Thank you. That was awesome. I love that we that really was got good. The flow there.